Today's guest is my good friend, Omer Pani. You may have caught him on the podcast. He's been on quite a lot because there's a lot of good conversations to have with him. And this time we speak uh, about some more controversial things, including something he calls attraction training for men, which is uh, really reading into women's primal motives. If you've caught our previous conversations, you know, he doesn't really pull punches. He kind of goes deep into the darker side of reality because there is a darker side to both femininity and masculinity. And it doesn't help anyone to pretend like it's not there. In fact, when you can understand it and embrace it, you'll have much better relationships. So enjoy this one. This is episode 035, Omer Pani on attraction training. You're listening to the Rwando Podcast, Perpetual Orgasm, Infinite Play. Please subscribe on iTunes and enjoy the show. So you have a men's program, kind of secret. I only found out about it recently, right? Hasn't been released. Um, it's not secret. I've shared it with the men who come to my workshops. I posted it on Facebook. Okay. Coaching men. Okay, cool. Um, so I, I was most interested in the module on attraction training because unlike the other four parts, which you, you can mention, do you want to mention the four parts just so people know? Those yeah, I believe they're kind of four tracks that I think I have found useful through my journey. And I feel it's kind of, if somebody is looking for a comprehensive program, I would have to give them these four pieces. Two of them are more obvious. I teach a lot of workshops in BDSM, so. Mm-hmm. I believe men having training in that realm is really useful and powerful. Uh, doesn't even matter if you're dating someone specific who's into that or not. I think the skills that BDSM teaches men are useful mm-hmm. across the board. And I think more and more women are discovering their turn on with DS play. So it doesn't have to be intense play. It doesn't have to be uh, deep DS relationship, even if it's some basic skills like rope play or simply knowing how to hold space and give somebody a ride, which is what we do in DS play. It's very useful. So that's like one track, one module. Yeah, I want to say it was really great being in your workshops, understanding that the skill is second, the technical stuff is secondary, yeah. which is not what my understanding of BDSM was before. Yeah. I very much start the education in archetypes and discovering your dominance of archetypes, mm-hmm. knowing what the inner space for holding that container is, and then from there adding on any skills or techniques on top of it. Mm-hmm. And I think just doing that work, men get to know themselves a lot better. I think we all have a lot of charge against both the dominant and submissive archetypes. We both are having a lot of trouble leading and following. So even aside from all the sensual turn-on you may or may not create with a particular partner, the education on DS is, I think it's very clarifying to a lot of men. Mm-hmm. So that's like one track. The other one is hands-on stroking, which is something you and I have uh, studied and practiced quite a bit. I yeah. believe it's Specifically like, stroking a woman's body. Stroking a woman's body, especially stroking her genitals. Mm-hmm. Hand to genital stimulation, I think it is absolutely crucial it's the best way to learn sensuality it's the best way to learn a woman's body and i can't think of a better way to train a man to be more sexually competent than to teach him stroking mm-hmm. nothing builds a man's uh, sexual confidence than reaching a stage where he knows he can reliably create 
good sensation in her body that he understands his woman's woman's body enough that he can play with it, he can engage it, he has consciousness around it, he's not frazzled, he's not relying on tricks and tips, which is what most men are doing. And and for heaven's sake, he's not relying on what he has seen in porn. Mm-hmm. He has come in touch with his own body enough, his own touch is conscious enough now that he can listen to his partner's body and respond and play with it in, a, in real time by listening and stuff, mm-hmm. relying on new routines. So those are like the two central elements. Yeah. And those have to be learned hands-on, obviously. Those very much have to mm-hmm. be learned hands-on. Uh, the other two modules are not hands-on. Uh, uh, one of the other ones is about men simply clearing their systems and coming into clarity and coming into terms with their own past, their own wounding. And I think all human beings need this. But I think when men come and do this work together, there's something more powerful about it. I've seen people do this in community. I've seen most of the classes I've taken in clearing and emotional work have been co-ed classes. And they're beautiful as far as they work, but I think there's something additional that can come into play when it's men clearing out their crap, clearing out their past, clearing out their mother issues, their daddy issues, whatever it is, and kind of supporting each other in that space. I feel there's some greater rigor that comes in, Mm -hmm. that men can hear themselves in their vulnerability, in all the pain that they've endured, they can see other men are going through the same, which I think is something powerful. And that process can be about emotional release. It can be about realizing where you're stuck in your primary relationship with your parents. Mm-hmm. All the stuff we would normally consider therapy plus kind of emotional clearing. Yeah, and you compared it to white tantra and... Very a lot much of men's think, work, I guess. Yeah, very much. Be... I think all all solo work points to that. Like, mm-hmm. deal with your own emotions. Look at your own triggers. Look at your own wounding. Look at the patterns you are repeating in relationships. The source of those patterns is probably within you, and it's within your past. So, might as well go there and clean it up instead of trying to reenact it one more time with the next person you meet. Mm-hmm. Cool. And then that brings us to the fourth. The fourth would be attraction training, because Mm -hmm. I do believe men and women are very different from each other. I believe there is nothing obvious about understanding women for men, or vice versa, quite frankly. Mm -hmm. It's not that I believe uh, men are obvious creatures, although that's that's the sign that has been hung around men's neck for the past 50 years. Yeah, thanks to feminism, one of feminism's many gifts is men are obtuse, men are basic, men are all the same. And here's your three-sentence instruction on how to handle men, because that's how complex they are. I think it really is a shitty, shitty model. I actually, you know, you know, this is a, I actually feel men are kind of like, this is a story I've heard about uh, deaf children. Hmm. This is a story that comes up again and again, that a child will have trouble hearing and the teacher, the kindergarten teacher, or the first grade teacher will think the child is emotionally distant or simply retarded. Hmm. But the truth is they're just difficult of hearing. Hmm. But because, so they're not responding to the verbal cues and questions, they think this child is, you know, either mentally undeveloped or they are indifferent or they're sociopathic or something. And I believe men kind of are, have, end up in the same kind of 
quandary these days. Men don't like to volunteer information about themselves. Men don't like to talk about themselves. Men don't have a very verbal engagement with their emotional life. And I believe there probably is a neurological reason for this because the, the phenomenon to me is so clear. The connection is not between women have more emotions and men have less emotions. It's that women have all these emotions and their language centers engage their emotions. And men have all these emotions and language center does not engage their emotional centers. So their emotional richness kind of stays within them. Nobody hears about it, including them, by the way. Oh, that was going to be my question. Do you think that the idea that men are just are more are less connected to their emotions is true, or it's uh, it's uh, because of the fact that language isn't tied to it, or is it completely uh, false concept? You could say men are less connected to their emotions, but it's almost in the same way as if, as I said, if you if you're not able to articulate something, you understand it less. And men hmm. don't have language naturally interfacing with their emotions. This is what I've observed time and time again. Once you give them language or once you encourage them or once you create a space and you tell if you give them time and space to actually articulate their feelings, they, men take longer to express their emotions. Mm -hmm. You really have to be patient with them. Yeah. Right? But in men's group, we kind of understand that. We're like, no, don't interrupt him. He's looking for his words. Yeah. Give, we can see it on their faces. A lot is happening. The words are not, the words are not there yet. And, but you can, if you are patient enough, if you're empathic enough, you're like, obviously a lot is going on. I don't know what yet. Women tend not to be that way. Yeah. You will hear their emotions coming at you from 50 feet away. Right. <laughs> right. There's like no delay between the feeling of emotion and the articulation of emotion. In men, there's a huge delay response. And if you get too impatient, which I women often do, Women don't, most women don't give men the space that's needed for their words to come out because they fill up that empty space with their own words and emotions. So men are kind of sitting back here, taking more emotion in, taking more emotion in, feeling more. Now they're feeling even more when they're in a fight with a woman. Woman is discharging her emotions at the man. Man is feeling more, but he's actually still not found his words yet. Hmm. This also might be the reason men are prone to outbursts. It's not that they're more violent or aggressive. It's just like, it's almost like the way they lead, the release valves are built different. Yeah, it's interesting you, you frame it that way because I feel like that's the complaint with women a lot. It's like they're not articulating well enough. And Yeah, they, they, they feel more free to express themselves as they go. Right, without having it to make sense. Or, I mean... Sense Are they saying, yeah. I'm feeling it, so it's true. Mm -hmm. I don't care if it makes sense to you. I'm, I'm, I'm putting a conveyor belt of words to my emotions, and that's my subjective reality. And mm -hmm. to some degree, it's fine. But they don't, then they assume men work the same way. And if men are not streaming their emotions in the same way, they're either withdrawn, our patriarchy has fucked up their emotions. I'm like, no, none of that is fucking true. We actually build differently. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And I think when men come together and they have that space to speak, I think they find their voices more clearly than they do in the company of them. So that's, that's more to your, like the module one idea of the clearing yes. aspect, right? Um, and, uh, and yeah, in all modules, they overlap to some degree. They're mm -hmm. not like parallel silos. But th in this way, the man-woman 
training and the independent clearing, they kind of overlap to some degree, that we are different and we need to learn these differences. For men to even learn that their communication about their emotions is different can be a big breakthrough and it can change things in their relationship. Hmm. With a simple request, like let's say they actually are with a woman who cares for them, loves them, they can finally make a request. You know what? Stop stop interrupting me and filling up my silent spaces. I need more time. You actually want me to share? You actually want me to share? And shut the fuck up right now. Because <laughs> I'm not as rapid fire with my emotional articulation as you are. So if you actually are interested in hearing what I have to say, you're going to have to shut up. Like yeah. I'm holding the conch right now. Let me speak. I may speak four sentences in the next 15 minutes, but that's what I need compared to you who can talk nonstop for 15 minutes. Doesn't mean I don't have emotions that I'm not feeling as much. Right. Mm -hmm. And I've seen even awareness of differences like that come into play. But that's like one example of kind of bringing some insight into how men and women are different, how our communication styles are different how our agenda is different, how our mate selection priorities are different. And having some insight into that so you're not always at the effect of it, so you're not feeling victimized by it. Right. And it's a very rich terrain. I'm sure if our species survives, philosophers 10,000 years from now are going to be adding stuff to this terrain because I think it's very deep. And today, I think we are almost dropping the ball by saying there are no differences between men and women, or even the category of gender is obsolete. I think it's one of the stupidest things our culture is doing right now. I think it is sabotaging our relationships, it's killing our intimacy, thinking that there are no differences between men and women, and that uh, this polarity is not something we actually need to study and become masterful at. We really, really do. In the absence of it, our relationships are dropping off like dead flies. Relationship failure rate is the highest that's ever been probably in humanity right now. Yeah, and you were speaking to that a little bit at lunch and I wanted to record it. I forgot what you said. I think it was relevant to this moment. Um, well, I guess that was more in terms of, of women and career and like I guess some things which don't line up anymore. Uh, I think that's also a rich topic, but I mean that almost is more like the bill of goods that feminism has sold women on what a good woman's life looks like, what a successful woman's life looks like, really isn't working. But even then, it, it's amazing, you know, the, there's some real darkness and weirdness with the modern woman's relationship to the bullshit feminism has sold them over the past 50 years. The nastiest women among women are the radical feminists. They are the most miserable women. They are the most unhappy women. But they are also the biggest bullies. And what I am observing is the mainstream woman is terrified of standing up to those bullies. So I see this real confusion in the minds of an average woman saying, I know what the ideal that has been sold to me is. It's not working. Where do I file a complaint? Right. And if I do, what are they going to think of me? Yeah. And they're terrified to file a complaint. They're terrified to file a complaint. For example, somebody told me I should go get a college degree and a graduate degree. I'm 27 years old now. I just got my graduate degree, quarter million dollars of debt on my head. My clock is running out. I want to raise a family. When am I going to do that? Yeah. I'm 27, <laughs> 28, 29 right now, just launching my career. And I desperately want to have children. 
When do you think you're going to have it? At 50, at 60, at 70? No, at 38, your clock is kind of running out. And that's like the upper limit. And this isn't the patriarchy talking. Talk to God. This is your biology talking. But a lot of women I see are in such deep confusion about their own biology. They're like surprised. Yeah. They don't have time left to have children. I'm like, you have a graduate degree. You understand how your biology works, right? You know there's an expiration date on your eggs. Why haven't you planned this through? And their answer literally is, but I was told I could have everything anytime I wanted. I'm like, really? That was, that's your answer. She says, yeah, I was told, go pursue your college degree, go pursue your graduate degree, be an independent financial woman. And when the time is right, you can also have children and the perfect man will come along. And guess what? It's not happening. I'm like, why didn't you question these premises? Why didn't you question this bill of goods somebody sold you? And they're like, I don't know. Everyone's doing it. Yeah. Uh, bring it back to the, like the, the, the man side, the, side, you know, the whole attraction training piece. Aside from restructuring feminism and culture, like what, uh, how does a man relate to women in that situation? Well, there are many different modules and half of them are top secret. Okay. Half of them cannot be civil <laughs> in front of women. So I don't know what I can share with you here. Okay. Well, it is, it is my version of, first of all, trying to dispel men from that notion that men and women are the same, to dispel any notion that women want them to be, have, be in complete egalitarian relationship. I think it's all nonsense. I think women are either so confused or they're running such a double standard at one level, yeah, we just want men, we want to be equal to men. At the other level, like, why the fuck aren't you opening the door for me again? Why don't you make more money than me? If you don't, I don't want to date you. If you're not six foot one and not making more money than me and not more educated than me, don't bother applying. So yeah. these double standards are flying all over the place. That's and everyone suffers. Like the idea of the, the confused woman, the bad feminist. It's really sad, yeah, actually, just is. from an individual standpoint. It is, a, it is sad, and I see this most clearly in my DS room, where women are coming because they're drawn to their submissive archetypes and they're completely torn. They're like, they feel guilty. They feel guilty. They're <laughs> yeah. like, I'm, I'm betraying the sisterhood. I'm like, I'm like, your sisterhood sucks because your archetype is genuine. Your eros is genuine. Listen to that and build something real around that instead of your politics. Mm -hmm. So with the attraction training, you're, you're saying it, it comes, uh, the, the meat of it when I was asking for a soundbite at least was uh, digging into the behind the curtains of the female psyche. Yeah. Could you say a little more about what that means? And as much as you can share? <laughs> or I'll give you, give you a piece from the dark side. Let's just, just, just go there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And this is, this is, if someone's really going to hurl something at me in the political environment we are in these days. One of the modules will say women lie. Women lie. Women lie all the time. Women are lying all the time. And don't make that into a problem. Mm -hmm. In the time of age when we were holding a placard that says, believe her, believe all women. Yeah, I'm gonna come out and say women lie. Women are better liars than men. Women lie more proficiently than men. Women lie more effectively than men. Women are harder to catch in their lies than men. Expect women to lie and still don't make it into a problem. That's the key part. Don't forget the last sentence. Don't make it into a problem. Why do I say that? Half the time, women are lying in their relationships. They're covering their men's assets. They're covering their men's egos. Mm. They're not lying because they're evil. They're not lying to manipulate you, although 
At other times, they will lie to manipulate you. A lot of the times, women lie simply to manage the emotions and feelings of everybody around them. In their family, in their circle, in their community, women, I've observed, generally have a tendency to make sure everyone feels held, included, taken care of, and to manage that is social engineering. You have to massage your words quite a bit. You have to handle a lot of egos, and you have to make sure nobody's feathers gets ruffled. And oftentimes, you need to know this piece in order to have a breakthrough with your woman. Because women will also lie about how lousy you are in bed. Mm -hmm. Now, do you want to blame them for lying? Or do you want to blame yourself for not being clear enough to realize that she's covering your ego? Right. Right? But, it, but we do kind of need to start from top. If you don't, if you, if you believe women don't ever lie, then you can be an idiot as a man. You're like, but I asked her. Yeah. Yeah, I asked her, she said so, and I took it at her word. If you always take a woman at her word, your relationship will last about 10 days. Yeah. Well, the way I frame it for male clients who are confused or angry, like, why does my wife always say one thing and do the other? Is that, like, the words are not the way she's communicating. You look at her behavior, you look at her subcommunications, because that's where her truth is. And, and if you know that, you'll never be surprised. Very much so. And, you know, and dig even deeper. You, you have to know how women operate sometimes to catch them in their lives. We used to teach this all the time. And, you know, this category of women lying to protect their men's ego is a very big category of women lying. And it's a, not a very great category for a man to participate in. If your woman is lying to protect your ego, everywhere she's lying to protect your ego, your relationship is in the doldrums. Your relationship is kind of subpar. If your woman never had to lie to maintain your ego, if you could take care of yourself enough and she didn't have to manage your ego anymore, your relationship will be more vibrant. It'll be more erotic and she will be less of your caretaker and more of your lover. Yeah. Every time she has to manage your ego, she goes into caretaking and caretaking kills eros. Mm -hmm. So you have to be aware if is she lying, when do women tend to lie in a relationship? And then it's up to you to kind of be able to sink underneath that and get to the real desires. Do you have any, uh, this is something I've thought about. I don't have like specific techniques, but, uh, disincentivize the lying by because like what are they afraid of right they're afraid uh my my man's ego will get tripped up and he'll pull away or he'll something some negative consequence is there a way to like display that to be like to to communicate like oh there's no reason to lie because i'm absolutely uh, the solution to it is actually a very sexy one mm -hmm. which is catch a woman in her lie which means let a woman know you can see her behind her lie. You can see her beyond her lie, mm -hmm. which means she, you will see her more deeply than she is trying and she is willing to let you see her in this moment. If you see a woman more deeply, that usually is a point for you. Mm -hmm. If you're seeing her past her camouflage, if you're able to penetrate through that and says, no, no, I think I see there's something else back there. That'll earn you points because women do want to be seen. They actually do want to be taken that burden of lying to maintain your ego away from them. But I think if a man does it, it's amazing. It's great when that happens. Yeah. I mean, this is where I see, I mean, I learned how to do that in communities that encourage this, but also through stroking. Yeah. Is, that, is there any other ways you would 
suggest to men to learn this skill because it's it's maybe sounds like a magical Again, thing. go back to the fundamental. It's not. Yeah. A, it's 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 a magical thing, but there is a non-magical way of acquiring that magic. And what I mean by this is this: learn to put clean attention on your partners. Learn to put clean attention on women. Your attention will penetrate through this camouflage, and real information will come back. Mm-hmm. If you're only interested in hearing what sounds pleasant to you, good. If you're only interested in uh, hearing the easy answers and maintain your ego, then you're not looking thoroughly. If your ego is actually not involved and you're simply interested in seeing and putting your attention out, then the real information will come back. And I think the desire to be seen is fundamental in all human beings. It certainly is very deep in the feminine, to be seen. And women do all kinds of things, put all kinds of screens in front of them to keep you from seeing them. And to some degree, those screens are the lies. And you can make this into a fun game. And you can get behind at least one or two of a woman's screens and all of a sudden see her there and her pulse will race when you do that. You want a simple example of this? Watch any uh, worthwhile romantic movie or book. That's what the protagonist does to the gal. That's what the guy does to the gal. The gal is putting up a front. It's usually a very charming front. Yeah. But the guy manages to get behind the screen Uh and say... I see you. And she's like, how'd you get back here? <laughs> but that reveals to her the man has some chops. Right? Here's the other dark side of it. The more a woman is successfully able to lie to you, the more her lies work on you, the more in contempt she will hold you. Yeah. Why'd you smile at that? because it's a phenomenon I see all the time and it's painful and it's amusing too to see this dark aspect a woman will lie to you and if you believe her lies she will hold you in contempt Yeah. if you see past her lies immediately she will get mad at you (laughs) Yeah. but But inside she will say inside she will say aha Somebody with actually some intelligence and perception. I can't fool him that readily. Yeah, it's a and that idea. actually scores you points in right. my book. Like here's a man with a slightly heavy caliber. Come to the last five idiots whom I could just be dazzled with my charms and were buying all my senses bullshit, mm-hmm. right? And who knows? At one level, women's lying might be kind of a shit test. It might be a screening test. Right? How smart are you? Right? Can you look past my nonsense? Because I need a man smart enough to look past my nonsense. I need a man I should not be able to fool so easily. Right? Yeah. So that's kind of a big barometer for women. Are you the kind of man that I'm going to be able to fool for the rest of my life? If you are, you might be the perfect match for the femme fatale if that's all she's looking for. Just a man to control and spin around and keep her in her way. Right. Like this is a useful idiot I can use. I don't think that's what most women want. That's like the aspect of dark feminine that simply wants to kind of have yes. a dupe, collect people, collect men, and yeah. simply use them for specific purposes and have no emotional connection to them. Most women are looking for a deep connection, having a partner. And to do that, they kind of need to say, What are you made up of? Right. Because, and you can say the reason behind that is men show up as fools in the field of women. 
What do you mean? We look at their physical beauty. Mm-hmm. We are moving towards them with our lust. And in that phase itself, to some degree, we have bought their lives. We are showing up having bought their lives oftentimes. Mm-hmm. And women are kind of aware of that and they need to make sure that's not all you're buying because that can be very dangerous. That charm can run out right. when you wake up 8 a.m. next morning with sleep in your face. Yeah. And your mascara smudged all over your eyes. Right, right. You know what I mean? They also want to know, well, what are you attracted to? Why are you drawn to me? And can you look past? And these are like really good inquiries to make in both directions. But because women do kind of attract from a distance, that's what the feminine does. At some degree, they want you to respond to their surface. At some level, they want you to be able to know the surface is not all that they are and that you're able to look through. So make this at one level, from a masculine perspective, you can call these screens lies, which they are. They are. And at another level, don't make them into a fundamental problem the way you would if a man were to lie to you, if a man were to cheat you, if a man were to tell you this car is good and it's not in some kind of a concrete way. It's designed to cheat you and just, you know, create a zero-sum game with you. It's yeah. not as clear-cut. That's why I almost feel it's, it's useful uh, to not call them lies, I think, screens. Because, like, people have so much charge around the word. Like, it's such a, it's like but, against the five percent Buddhism. Like, here's the thing. At the positive end, it's all those things I've described. At the dark end of the feminine, they absolutely can be completely destructive liars. Yeah. Like lying as in the crucible to kill a mockingbird, bearing false witness to destroy a human being. Now, we're all capable of doing that. Right. But in the women's spectrum, they will use their same methodology if they want to commit that level of darkness. They will use that same level of screen, the same level of vulnerability and feminine charm, but they are literally putting a head out on you. Mm-hmm. That's how they operate. Power by proxy by destroying your name, by destroying your reputation. Yeah. So I think it also doesn't help to kind of pussyfoot away from it. Call it as it is. We don't have any problem calling out the darkness in men. We don't. We call men are savages. Men are capable of committing war crimes. Right? We call a child molester a child molester, a murderer a murderer. Why can't we do the same with women? I think we should. I think it brings a level of clarity. Yeah, and, and you know, we've been focusing on the dark side for the last few minutes, but when you understand this, you get to experience uh, the beautiful sides. It is, of, of and it can be charming, it can be beautiful in a way, in, well, from one degree, the entire aesthetic experience of a woman is a lie. You know, lie may sound like a big word for it, but to me, it's on the spectrum. Mm-hmm. It's a, yeah, misdirection, not the superficial truth. We wouldn't want them to give that up. We want that misdirection. We want that beauty and charm. Yeah, I don't care if women are lying for their makeup and high heels. I love seeing women dressed to the nines right. and looking great at a party. Yeah, and it's an important part because I want to make sure that that's, it get, that gets heard with everything else. Yeah. That this is yeah, part of what makes we, women yeah, we are a lot fun. of angry men these days in the MGTOW community, in the manosphere. Yeah, I'm not, I haven't had a direct exposure yeah. to these men, but I know Incel, they're out there and I've seen the incels are big because of all the violence some of them are committing. Mm-hmm. And then they are in this rage that women just lie about everything, that even makeup is a lie and lipstick is a lie. And yeah, it is a lie, but really, I don't think that's the entirety of your problem, brother. Right. <laughs> what I mean? Right, right. Yes, 
That's a lie, but so what? Yeah, it's like Why complaining about Santa Claus as a grown-up. Yeah. yeah. Why is that becoming such a burden and a problem to you? Why are you taking that so personally? At the most, you could go the monastic path and say, women are not for me. Like, let them be their thing. I don't want to play this man, woman game. Fine. No reason to get so angry and resentful at women. Mm-hmm. Right. But I think, you know, obviously they're, they have done, they have made it into a problem. This is why the last problem. Yes, women lie. Do not make it into a problem. It's not your problem to solve. If you want to engage with them, you should know women lie. You yeah. should know women put out screens. If you don't know that and you simply engage with them at the surface level, it'll be a false interaction and chances are they will not think very highly of you. Right. This is the problem with nice guys, by the way. Mm-hmm. Nice guy wants to believe a woman at her face value, which in essence means the nice guy has no perception, no penetrative perception of what the woman really is. And women feel deeply uncomfortable around men like that. They're like, you actually have no idea who I am. And you actually don't seem to have the chops or the curiosity to find out. That's not a good thing for a woman. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's not useful. It's not useful. It's not fun. Right. And what I've seen women do oftentimes is make their lies more and more absurd. And the guy still keeps taking them at face value. They keep throwing tantrums. Right. One day, one minute they like you, next minute they hate you. One day they like you for being a feminist, the next day they think you're a complete asshole for being a male feminist. <laughs> right? And these nice guys are like, what's happening to me? I just want to be a good guy. I just want to do what you tell me to do. And they're like, that's not actually what the core desire is in there. Cool. So we have a couple of people hopping on. It was a last minute announcement. I just want to say, if you're listening, if you want to ask them a question, ask us a question. Type in the chat and I can unmute you. It's a last minute thing. Happy Thanksgiving, everyone. But uh, yeah, who knows how many people show up. So hello, everyone who's on. Um, yeah, so I think with the, because like what you're describing, it's exactly how we're taught to learn everything. Like look at the environment, see what the feedback is and modify your behavior. Unfortunately, it doesn't right. work with and, and the narrative that men and women are exactly alike. Men like, okay, that's how I treat my male friends. I ask them what they want. Mm-hmm. Right? You ask the guy, what do you want to do tonight? And he says, man, pizza and Netflix. That's all I want today. You're like, great. Let's order a pizza. Let's watch some Netflix. Yeah. You talk to your woman and you say, honey, you want to dress up in the nines? Go out and have a seven-course meal and then go to the opera? Or would you like to stay in your, in your jammies, order a pizza and watch Netflix? And she says, pajamas, pizza, and Netflix? She's lying. <laughs> well, sometimes she might be. Most yeah. likely she's lying, yeah. right? And if you don't know that, if you think, great, excellent. What a great girl I have. She wants to do exactly what I want to do. Pizza and Netflix is what I wanted too. Yeah. Who the hell wants to go to the opera and get dressed just to eat some dinner? So actually, I, I, want, I want your opinion on something because you know uh, one of my exes, you don't have to mention her. It's not my missus. But like, so you, you've seen us, you've even coached us. And um I would like to play with her on exact things like this because yeah. uh, she would, I knew she would get furious in me misreading her, but I knew I was reading her and I would be like, oh, you want Netflix? Okay, great. We're going to do Netflix. And it was me trying to playfully punish her for not telling me the truth. Yeah. Um, and then we'd get into fights anyway. <laughs> I was trying to poke at her. I don't know. Um, we, I've gotten many mixed opinions from, from people. Well, I say, listen, I've told you, it's, it's, it's kind of, you may, 
you may face the woman's ire either way. If you buy her cover story, she will respect you less. If you try to penetrate past her cover story, she will resist. But hopefully, the when you are able to see past her cover story, eventually she will like you more for it. If you have a woman who is punishing you in both areas, then you may just be the woman who is just too unself too unclear within herself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the and game has the to be winnable. Game has to be winnable. But certainly, there's always it's always a better strategy to see the truth. And I mean, in anyone, we can say this on a broad scale. But at least she'll respect you if you've gone past the curtain. It's a very dicey terrain to follow. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, what you're doing is trusting your perception and your intuition more than at least the initial cover story the woman is telling you. Mm-hmm. Now, this is not a very popular tack for men to take these days right because it almost sounds like a violation i'm not saying act on your intuitions i'm not saying do physical action based on your intuitions but you do need to be able to put your attention out and trust the information that's coming back at you and at least play with it at least engage with it at least believe that what you're perceiving might be true even if what you're perceiving seems to be contradicting the cover story the woman is presenting the simplest of these examples would be, you know, it would be the, would be the you know, the joke that has been told 10,000 times. You ask a woman, what's wrong, honey? She says, nothing. Now, if you believe her nothing, right. you're a moron, <laughs> right? That's right. like a clear case. You must not believe that nothing. If you believe that nothing, you are in deep shit. If things are only going to get worse the day after and the week after. Right. If you fine. say a woman, what's wrong? And she just says, nothing, nothing's wrong. If you can't register on your ear that nothing is not true, you are in problem. You're, you're, you're really in problem now, right? So you cannot accept what a woman told you in that moment. You have like, no, honey, obviously you're angry. What's going on? Nothing's going on. I want to talk about it. Okay. Come back 10 minutes later. <laughs> Would you like a cup of tea? Tell me what's going on. If you don't dig and, and you let it go, and certainly, I think it has to be a winnable game. If a woman is doing that for hours and days and she actually is not communicating and she's staying angry, then that's really not a great situation to be in. Yeah. But also, on the other end, if a man simply says, oh, I asked my wife what was wrong, she said nothing. <laughs> Excellent. That's why I'm out here playing golf. Right. My wife is happy at home. She says nothing is wrong. Yeah. On the winnable game, I, I mean, I want to offer this to guys who maybe it is like a new concept because I remember when I was starting to go in deeper, even if I knew there's something deeper, it just seems like I'm punishing myself because there's going to be more shit. There's going to be another nothing. There's going to be another thing. And um, one thing that helped me was understanding that I'm gaining mastery and there's got to be something better on the other end. I think that that is true. I think when I see couples either in dire straits or at the end of their relationship, they have given up on that inquiry with each other. They are not curious about each other anymore. At that point, it probably feels like just punishing. It does feel like it because if they they feel exactly what you described, they feel there is no reward at the end of the inquiry. Right. They actually don't want to ask what's wrong. If the wife says nothing, husband says, you know what? I don't feel like engaging here. You're angry, you're pissed off. Go deal with your own shit. I am not taking this bait. Why? Because taking that bait has not really worked out well for him many, many times. That's that painful place where people arrive at 
where they're like, I am not interested in inquiring anymore what's actually happening with you, which is kind of sad, which is pretty much the death knell of a relationship, mm-hmm. where you no longer care what's happening in the internal life of your partner. Right. So, yeah, I mean, good general tip, don't make it such a miserable experience for people who are genuinely curious about you mm-hmm. and want to get to know you and want to build intimacy with you. If you make it a punishable offense for them, they will quit. Mm-hmm. You have, I have many times in a 29-year relationship with my woman, you reach many low points where you're like, either if this doesn't turn soon, this is not worth it anymore. Mm. Right? And every breakup reaches that point. Right? There's nothing automatic about relationships working out. If people don't create changes and strategies where they can win with each other, they quit. It's too painful to just keep going. Yeah. If you don't mind me asking about in those situations where you're in, was it when you've reached her limit? Is it is the only saving grace that she hasn't reached her limit and she's willing to take down a wall? Or, yes, or, or I guess yes. vice versa. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. That's the other part of the women lie part. The the only significant breakthroughs I've seen long term couples make is when I'll just keep it the woman part. It's not always the truth. Let's just say. If the breakthrough comes from the woman's part is when a woman gives up a lie. It's a long-standing lie in the relationship. The lie is so kind of deeply anchored that it's pretty much almost like contorting the whole relationship in a certain way. And the contortion is not working anymore. Because this lie is a very big ego piece for the woman. Mm-hmm. And she finally gives it up and like things almost like become more sustainable again. Yeah. Like there's more flow, there's more possibility. But that lie had to be extracted out. Mm-hmm. Something had to be changed. Some, some, there was a deep piece of disintegrity in the relationship. Somebody was lying about something. Somebody was believing something falsely about themselves. Usually it's that. It's a hard piece to swallow that this is who you actually are. You would like to pretend you are not this. But what you are is creating a big distortion in your relationship. And you keep saying, I'm not this. I can't be this. That would be a horrible person. So that's kind of like the self-clearing for women, women's perspective. Very much so. Yeah. And in a relationship concept, either changing one of your self-concepts or giving up a lie, and that almost creates, almost gives a new, like a life. Mm-hmm. You almost go through a debt. Like when you give up that lie, and now there's like room to maybe create something totally different, slightly different. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, do you have anything? So, I mean, I've been framing this conversation from the male perspective, cause, mainly because we're two men speaking about it, but also I was sending this to my men's group, but I'm sure women will hear this conversation. What do you have to say to women on that? Because uh, I know it comes up in your workshops. The holding on piece. I think the holding on piece, again, I would most often it has to do with uh, self-identity, self-image. This is who I am kind of a piece. Uh, that seeing this about myself, it just destroys my self-image and my self-identity way too much. It's very inconvenient. Mm -hmm. Or that it has been a very useful lie. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's been a useful lie that has served me personally for a long time. It may have made you suffer, but I have been able to get a lot of what I want through this image, through this lie. And unless I see how this is destroying our relationship, how this is hurting you, 
And unless I care about that, I'm not going to give this up. Yeah. The irony is that this is kind of like the counterpart to what you said before, women lie to preserve the male ego. Yeah. I mean, it, it could be the same lie could be both in this. It sense. could be to preserve yeah. a piece of self-identity, a self-image, the yeah. idea of who I am, or simply utility, quite frankly. It's worked. The lie has worked. Right? So you keep using it. But usually lies like that over a long term in an intimate relationship, people who are closest to us end up paying the price for it. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I was speaking about a friend of mine, a fem a woman who uh cheats on her fiance and her the other guy knows everything about the fiance. The fiance knows nothing. It's like unfortunate. And the guy she cares about the most right. is the one in the dark. Because yeah. she cares about him. Right. Ironically. And you know, let's just take that example. And if you ask a woman why do you do this, she has a long list of reasons why her behavior is justified. Mm -hmm. Nowhere on that list is that she is a really shitty human being with no integrity. Nowhere on that list is I am a betraying woman hurting the one man I claim to love the most. That is not part of her self-identity. Mm -hmm. Right? Everything else is. My emotions, the needs my primary partner does not meet, or this does not mean. Women are amazing at rationalizations. We all are. But I, I really think women take the prize compared to men. Yeah. Right? But we don't really get men away with shit too much. Yeah. And, and why are you fucking your secretary? Because she has big tits and they're 20 years younger than your wife's tits. I don't want to hear about anything else. Yeah. We don't let men get away with that much shit. We let... This is an interesting thing, and you know, YouTube is great for that. If you do an entire survey on the street of asking women, why do women cheat? All their answers will point to the guy she's with. Hmm. Why do you, if you're a woman, why do you think women cheat? Oh, it's probably because she's not getting what she wants from her primary partner. Yeah. It's probably she's not, her uh, boyfriend might be working too much. It's probably her husband is neglecting her. Like at no point you say, the woman is a lying, cheating bitch and she's cheating on her husband. No, no, no. Why does a man cheat? Oh, he probably found a younger girl. Yeah. Yeah, I don't remember what book I read this in. Was it the red? Did you read this in the book that you just mentioned? I've seen it. I've seen this okay. like done almost in a research survey. Okay, because I, I read it somewhere. The cloud women have. They're not even talking about themselves. If you ask them about themselves, oh my God, the justifications are long. Have you ever cheated on your on your partner? Yes. Why did you do it? I was feeling neglected. I was alone. I was lonely. My primary partner wasn't. Everything is justified. Right. Everything yeah. in my behavior is completely understandable and justified. Right. Has your guy ever cheated on you? Yes. Why? Because men are dogs. Right. Because yeah. she's a younger piece of ass. Whatever else was. But men were not cause and women were in effect. Yeah, I don't remember. I think it was either Red Queen or Sex at Dawn where I read a, a written version of this. And it's like women always have a reason and no guilt. And men are the opposite. They feel guilt, but they're like, I don't know why I did it. And maybe that's why. Um, I'm not saying... I'm obviously not saying that men don't cheat, betray, or do shitty things. We all do. But I have seen women justify themselves quite a bit in their actions to maintain yeah. the self-image. Whereas I think men have an easier time, not that they're happy about it, but they're like, yeah, I kind of acted like a shit. Yeah. Right? I should not have done that, and I was following my dick, and I did it. I'm not proud of it. Yeah. I was following my dick. Yeah. Right? You ask women, why did you cheat? Why did you do that? Oh, and all the reasons come out. And in the end, when the guy you cheated on and destroyed and hurt is sitting right next to you, what the fuck does it matter what all your reasons were? 
And if you're not willing to take responsibility, if you're not willing to give up that lie, then I just, you know, in the, in the final analysis, I just didn't give a shit about the man I say I love so much. Mm-hmm. If, you, if you know, I did not think far enough to think, what if my action hurts him? And at some level, either I did not bother even thinking that far, and if the question did arise, my answer was, I really don't care. I'm going to do what I'm going to do. Yeah. And I'm going to justify it and cover it up somehow. Which I think if those are the lies that have shown up in a relationship and if a woman doesn't give up those lies, the relationship ends. Yeah. And those are lies. They are very destructive lies. And they're lies to usually to, to maintain one's yeah. immaculate self-image. Again, we're speaking on the, 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 I guess, maybe extremes of the dark feminine. So I don't want... I don't think that part is very extreme, actually. Well, it's, it's making me think of the thing in, in Rola's book on War Brides, which was one of the pieces that was like, oh, man, and like noting how that... Do you remember the, the bit on War Brides? I don't know what it, the War Brides uh, The idea of a War Bride is that when, in like, try, in, you know, nomadic times, if um, an invading barbarian party kills all the men in a village and steals all the women... The women will switch. It's like Stockholm syndrome. They switch their allegiance yeah. from their dead husband yeah. to the captain, and will become a willing wife, a war bride. Yeah. And there's a direct um, biological evolutionary reason for that because that's the best way for her yeah, to. Because getting killed by the enemy tribe is not a successful. Right, and, and and women still have. When you, when you say all this, it reminds me of that, and it's like we can obviously there's women and men who can always be blamed for anything but there's almost like an evolutionary not almost there is an evolutionary reason for this and you can even say that even the deception is necessary because take that scenario let's say we're in the tribal warfare a tribe comes and kills all the men in this tribe and the only way for women to survive is to mate with the enemy men right Uh, is it in her benefit to spend the rest of her life in guilt of course not. No. Exactly. Right. Which is it why is better if she can rationalize it and move on. The children she had from the men in this tribe may have a smaller chance of surviving, depending on. If yeah. not, at if least at least she will be able to procreate and pass on her own genes. Yeah. So yes, I think you can. I think survival and uh, evolutionary biology and psychology is quite brutal. It's first chakra stuff. It's survival stuff. Yeah. What I mean, so it's really brutish. It, it is like it, it looks after its own. Yeah. So if you can track down instinct and behaviors down to the first chakra, down to survival, they are yeah they have they show no mercy. Yeah, but again, bringing this back to the attraction and understanding women. If if you're a man and you hear this stuff and you're like, I'm going to blame women for their lack of. Uh, taking ownership in this and that, you're kind of you're setting yourself up. You're setting yourself up because in another scenario, or you know, so one thing I do believe in is that if you are going to be in a long-term relationship, you need to keep your agreements. Mm-hmm. And I think having agreements and keeping them is also part of the order. So if we may have many many instincts, right, that may draw us in this way or that way. There may be many reproductive strategies and many reproductive behaviors. But if we are making an agreement and we don't keep them, our relationships will fall apart. Yeah. It is in our best interest not to exercise all of our freedom. Right? If I marry a woman with the understanding that we are going to have children, and they're going to be my children, and that's why I'm going to invest in these children, then the agreement is you can't go conceive from other men. Right. Right? And if you break that agreement, this marriage will dissolve because we are no longer in our agreement. Yeah. Now, yes, can a woman, if she has the option of the man is awake, can she do that? She may, but it may be like, is that actually in your best interest? 
in another situation, it may be in her best interest. Yeah. To go conceive from another man. But I'm saying, in the world we are living in today, if you have made agreements, keep those agreements. If you want to maintain your relationships, you can go do whatever you want. You can have relationships with no agreements. But when I see people coming to me and they're like, we are trying to repair this thing. I'm like, it's kind of simple. Make agreements that you think will actually make your life better and keep them. And that kind of takes care of all these weird options after yeah. a while. Yeah. What is your commitment to each other anyway? Yeah. Yeah. I, I do think it, it helps to understand the tendency, at least. Like maybe the war bride thing is inexcusable in a real modern day relationship. Understand a tendency just like yeah. you'd probably want your wife to understand if you are drawn in by tits and cleavage and not, not you know, chop your hands off for it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Cool. I mean, I think we've been going a little over an hour. I know someone just joined, but this recording will be up. Um, are there any final things you want to say on the this attraction? This is such a, such a big topic. It's yeah. hard to sum it up. And even my education in it is not comprehensive or anything. I'm just sharing what I have learned. I'm 48 years old right now. I've been with the same woman 29 years. So this is like information that has been desperately needed for me to like have my life be functional. Mm -hmm. So it's like... I'm only teaching what I've, what I've had to learn and uh, what I have found useful. Cool. And I believe it is particularly useful because, again, kind of like with BDSM, there's a lot of bad information out there. Mm -hmm. I think men are getting more and more frustrated. They're getting more and more isolated. The cultural narrative in our society right now is, is really abysmal as far as man-woman relating goes. There's so much confusion and bad feeling that it's like it's not even a great ground for research and exploration yeah so i think this conversation and this information is badly needed yeah so we're going to close in a second but uh, those who are still on any questions you can type in the chat if you have a question i'll unmute you if not we're going to sign off i'm sure we'll have we'll have many more discussions not in person on this topic as it's quite rich all right I think that's it uh yeah we'll have links to all the stuff um yeah you can still write a question we do have one question uh indep asks what can i do if i self-sabotage myself uh you need to be a little more specific self-sabotage alone is like a really big big idea and big concept mm -hmm. so you could do a whole talk on self-sabotage if you want do you have an example indep uh, scared of relationship. Uh, sounds like some avoidant tendencies. He says, I would love to be in a relationship. I'm scared of it, afraid of it. Avoidance. So again, I would say, I actually, I'm not a big fan of the idea of self-sabotage. I believe, you know, you can come this from almost a chakra perspective. You can also come this almost from a narrative, storytelling perspective. Every character has conflict. And the reason they have conflict is not because they're crazy or they're schizophrenic. They have conflicts because they have two different desires. They have two different desires that are calling for two different sets of actions. So you're like, well, I'm self-sabotaging one of my actions with the other action. You are, but it's not because you're insane. You're doing that because there are two different engines inside of you, and you just described your own engine. You have a desire for intimacy, and you have a fear of what? Rejection. The two go hand in hand. Which one do you want? You're going to have to give up one. You're going to have to give up one to the degree that it is no longer serving as the brake on the other engine. 
If your fear of rejection is big enough, it's like a break on developing a relationship, pursuing a woman, asking a woman out, being there when things are not going well, when you're fighting, when she is rejecting you. And if the fear is too good, you will never do that. And if the fear is small enough, you will go on the ride. So address your own fears. Address your fears of rejection. Address what's underneath them. Address what being rejected means to you. Why does it mean so much? Why does it mean so much to you and not so much to other people? Right. Deal with that aspect. Diminish it. Address its fears. And then it will not be kind of a life and death proposition if one particular date doesn't go well or one particular dating adventure doesn't work out if you do get rejected. And that, that generic advice pretty much applies to all forms of self-sabotage. What we think is self-sabotage, I just believe we have two different motives, two different desires that are kind of pulling in, in a tug of war. So look at them. That's, that's like we are, it's, it's an insight into our own architecture when that happens. Mm -hmm. yeah. it, it would be like getting in a car, putting your foot on the accelerator and the car doesn't move. That's an indicator. Something is keeping the car in its place. That's information right there. Mm -hmm. Something. The emergency brake is on. Car is not in gear. Something is off. Right? So it's a great opportunity to look at it when that happens. But looking at it, it it's, you know, it's, it's a self-process. It's a self-journey of looking at your own pieces. Mm -hmm. Back to that part one of the talk that we, we mentioned. Um, if you have more questions for Om, you can check out your website, omrapaniads.com. Uh, uh, it's just Okay, omrapani.org. Um, also, uh, on Facebook, he has a lot of his other podcasts. All of our podcasts together are posted on my SoundCloud and Masculine Underground Facebook group. You can search for that if you're not in it already. Um, thanks, Om. This has been awesome. We'll do another one yes. soon, I'm sure. We'll hope it was helpful. Hey, thanks for listening to the podcast. If you want to catch the rest of my work, go to Rwando.com. Catch me on social media at Rwando. And please do not forget to subscribe.